Pastor Kenny was teaching, teasing me. He says, you can't do it. You can't do it. He says, I took, you took one message and turned it into three, and then I studied for the third part tonight. And I go, I don't think I can cover that on a Wednesday night. So we will see. But before that, how many like puns? Not hot, not hot cross buns. I said puns. You know what the study of puns is called? Ponography. Ponography. Now get your minds out of the <laughs> Okay. You ready? I tried to catch some fog, but I missed. When, chem- when chemists die, they bury them. Oh, okay. Jokes about German sausage are the worst. A soldier who survived mustard gas and pepper spray is now a seasoned veteran. I know a guy who's addicted to brake fluid. He says he can stop at any time. How does Moses make tea? He brews it. He brews it? Okay. I stayed up all night to see where the sun went, and then it dawned on me. A girl said she recognized me from the vegetarian club, but I never met Herb before. Herb before? I'm reading a book about anti-gravity. I just can't put it down. I did a theatrical performance about puns. It was a play on words. They told me I had type A blood, but it was a typo. Why were the Indians here first? They had reservations. We had a class trip to the Coca-Cola factory. I hope there's no pop quiz. Energizer Bunny was arrested, charged with battery. I didn't like my beard at first, and then it grew on me. What do you call a dinosaur with an extensive vocabulary? A thesaurus. What does a clock do when it's hungry? It goes back for seconds. I wondered why baseball was getting bigger, then it hit me. (laughs) And last, and probably the least, broken pencils are pointless. All right. Don't hold any numbers up. I feel bad tonight. (laughs) He gave me a three. See, I thought they were funny, but you got to remember, I grew up in a home where my wife thought the jokes on the children's story hour at 4 o'clock on WMHR were really good. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, again, this is the third message. And I was, when I was writing this, honest, true, I was 
preparing, and I had in big parentheses, it says, and final message. And then I finished preparing it. Okay, this third message in a series on what the New Testament church is according to Scripture. Three separate titles for the church. Verse 14, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how to, thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, and believed on in the world, received up unto, into glory. I want you to understand something. We looked at the first church, and that was the, or the first title, and that's the house of God. And God dwells amongst the body of believers. When people don't understand that, they have a lot less assurance, and they have concerns, and they have worry. You need to understand that. It, it's God's dwelling place. It should also be the believer's dwelling place. The house of God. Okay, the second one was the church of the living God, and we likened that unto a body, to a temple, a mystery, a new man, a bride, and a soldier. And the last title for the church given in our text is the pillar and the ground of truth. And so I started looking at this, and I did a word study on the word pillar. Not pillars, because there is a vast difference when you look at when the words are used and what they represent. Okay, and there's, it appears 47 times in your your AV 1611 King James Bible. 45 in the New Testament and two, I mean 45 in the Old Testament and two in the New Testament. And I looked up the background, the etymology of the word used in the New Testament for pillar in, in the Greek language. And it, the, I'm, see, I'm very smart. I can open up a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance and look up a word. Don't you know that's what most Greek scholars do? You say you're being facetious. No, I'm being truthful. They make you think they know Greek, and the only Greek they know runs a deli on the corner someplace. It means basically a post, a marker, or a support. And that's how it was used in the New Testament. A pillar was a post, a marker, or a undergirding a support. And the first time you find it used, and again, as you study your Bibles, you need to learn the law first mentioned. It works in the King James Bible. It doesn't work in the other Bibles because they change the words around so much. They don't use it consistently because if you look at a, a Hebrew word or a Greek word, there's a bunch of different synonyms for it. And they make changes in some of the Bibles just so you can't memorize and make Scripture with Scripture comparisons. If you don't believe me, study it out. The consistency of translation in the English language is tantamount to the authorized version. You're saying I'm funny? How about, you know, in the King James Bible, it's not in my notes, okay? But you know, it talks about in the Job about the, the, the white of an egg. Do you know one of the most popular Bibles today, given to give greater understanding? It's the slime of a purse lane. You don't believe me? Look it up. Or ask Pastor Kenny. I want you to turn back to Genesis chapter 19. The very first time we find this word pillar used 
in Genesis 19. Let me see here. Genesis 19. Look at verse 17. Now this is, again, this is the case where the angels are getting Lot and his wife and his two daughters out of the city because the others wouldn't follow him. You know how the story had went. Abraham had come to to God and said, if, it, if there's 50 righteous, will you not destroy it? 40 righteous, 30 righteous, 20 righteous, 10 righteous. And he stopped because he figured it was him, his wife, his two virgin daughters are still at home, and then their sisters and their husbands. So he figured they'd have 10. There wasn't 10 because God would have kept his word and not destroyed the city. So they're leaving, and there was a warning given. And it says in verse 17 of Genesis 19, It came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life, this is the angel. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. He told them, Don't do what? Don't look back. Now, verse 26 of the same chapter. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a what? A pillar of salt. So the very first time you find the word used in, in the Old Testament, Lot's wife became a pillar when she looked back. You know what the pillar first used for in your Bible? It's a warning about looking back at that which the Lord is delivering you from. The Apostle Paul had to say, Forgetting that which is behind and reaching forth to that which is before, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Because if you look back, it's going to cost you. Don't believe me? You got this. You say I'm putting out my own private interpretation on this? Turn to Luke chapter 17. I want to start at verse 20. Speaking of Jesus, as when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. It's righteousness, joy, and peace in the what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Right? Kingdom of God. And he said unto them, to the disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And they shall say to thee, See here, or see there, go not after them, nor follow them. For as lightning that lighteneth out of one part of under heaven shineth unto the other part of heaven, so shall the Son of Man be in his day. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of his generation." So you've got the cross, the cross being talked about, and then you have the second coming being talked about. And it was in the days, of, as it was in the days of Noah, Noe, see, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. So you want to know what it was like in Noah's day? Hmm? Look around. Confusion. You can go back to Genesis 6. If you want to know how that works in, Ask Pastor Kinney. 
They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Like also as it was in the days of who? They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day which he shall be upon, he that shall be upon the housetop in his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. See, looking at his worldly possessions. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Look at that little verse next. Remember Lot's wife. It was a pillar given because Jesus said, No man that putteth his hand to the plow, looking back, is what? Worthy of the kingdom of. See? You got to be careful about looking back, careful about what you do. Remember Lot's wife. First mention of the pillar. Isn't it interesting? What we saw there, what happened, becomes a warning from Jesus about the last days. And brethren, we are in the last days. Now, go to Genesis chapter 28. Second time it is mentioned. This is why it is turning into a two-part Third, <laughs> the third, third part of the series turned into a two-part sub-series. As Pastor Kinney says, the 7,000 messages on the seven churches, right? Okay. Ready? Genesis <laughs> chapter 28. You there? Good, give me a chance. Genesis 28, look at verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went down toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set, upon, set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. That's called Jacob's ladder. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the, to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Do you understand when I talk about, I have to deal with so many people on generational sin. Sins of the fathers being visited unto the children. But you know there's also generational blessings and sometimes what someone sows doesn't come due them because of the blessing carried on from the faithfulness of their grandparents, their parents. Okay? He's getting the blessing of Abraham. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all the places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. And I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. See, he's saying, I'm going to be with you until I complete whatever God says he doesn't go back on. 
And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a what? Pillar. And poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. What does that word mean? House of God. What's one of the names for the church? House of God. But the name of that city was called Lutz, Luz from the first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, If God would be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. Choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether it be the gods of your fathers who they served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the people in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, serve the Lord. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Second usage, a place of God's blessing, a memorial pillar, a place where God brought forth his word to the next generation and reconfirmed his vow, his covenant. And what do you see with Jacob? He makes a vow back to God. Look at Genesis 31. This is what God says to him later in the story. I am the God, verse 13, I am the God of Bethel. See, the God of the house of God. Where thou anointest the pillar. See, he's pointing him back to that place. And where thou vowedest a vow, where? Unto me. Now arise and get thee out from this land and return to the land of thy kindred. In Genesis 35, you say, why are we doing this? I want you to see something. In Genesis 35, Jacob comes back to Bethel. You know that? He comes back to the place and God gave him a new name. The name Jacob means supplanter. He stole the blessing in the flesh from his brother. And he says, thou will no longer be called Jacob, but thou shall be called what? And what does that mean? Think about it. Do you know something? When you witness to people and they come to Jesus Christ, it says there's a new name written down in glory. Hmm? See, because Bethel, the house of God, is a place someone comes to get a new relationship. 
One of the names of the church is the house of God. It's to help us to have a what? And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the what? The edification of the body of Christ. You can't get away from it. We won't look at all these, but in from Exodus 13, 21 through Exodus 33, 10, different times you see it. The next time you find the pillar mentioned, it's a pillar of cloud by day leading the children of Israel, not Jacob. They went in there as the 12 sons, right? They come out as a nation. And it's a pillar of cloud by day, so you can see them in the daytime. And a pillar of fire by night, so that even in the darkest times, he makes sure you can see the way. I don't know about you, but I find that interesting. I find that interesting that God wants you to know his relationship should be a post for you. Marks the boundaries and supports you. Go to Psalm 99. The Lord reigneth, verse 1. Let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. Who surrounded the throne of God? One on four on each corner. The only one who's not in the place he was, he was created to be in is because of pride. And he was the anointed cherub that covereth. And he's no longer in that position. The Lord is great in Zion. He is high above all the people. Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. The king's strength also loveth judgment. Thou dost establish equity. Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt ye the Lord. Exalt ye the Lord our God and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. Isn't it interesting? When you're going to worship God, you're going to be down at his, not standing before his throne but bowed on your knees or your face before his footstool. For he is holy. Moses and Aaron among his priests, and Samuel among them that call upon his name. They called upon the Lord. He answered them. He spake unto them in the cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies and the ordinance that he gave them. So they were keeping his word. Understand that. The pillar is... And ground of truth is always tied to God's word. Thou answerest them, O Lord our God. Thou wast a God that forgavest them. Thou tookest, though thou tookest vengeance of their inventions. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. Now I want you to see. That cloudy pillar represents the presence of God, and from out of it sounded God's word. We come to the New Testament, pillar and ground of truth.
But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou shouldest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the pillar and the ground of the truth. It's opening text, the pillar and the ground of truth. What did I tell you the New Testament words meant when you say pillar? Either a post to mark or support. Marks a boundary or it's a foundation. The very next verse you find in our text, it says, without controversy. And I'm going to leave you with that thought as we look at it, because as we study this out, you'll find that if we're going to exalt Jesus Christ, we need to honor him in God's word. Of the English Bibles, the only one that gives true preeminence in all verses and doesn't shortchange his deity or shortchange his blood is the King James Bible. The words weren't put in to update them. They were put in to doubt them. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Not in one of the most famous New Testament Bibles you have today. It says he was manifest in the flesh. Because I took it, and the person talking to me was of the persuasion of the Jehovah Witnesses. And I said, it says, God manifests in the flesh. Do you know they did away with using King James Bible, Jehovah Witness? They wrote their own New World Translations. But they don't even use that half the time now. They use one of the new ones. It's internationally known. And it says, He was manifest in the flesh. And everyone knows who that's talking about. It's talking about Jesus. But they took God out and put he in. The pillar in the ground of truth is supposed to be a mark, a boundary. The key to New Testament salvation is knowing that Jesus Christ is God the Son knowing that he created all things, knowing that he purchased us with his own blood. And you'll find happens so many times is they take the blood out. They take a verse out or they change the verse so it doesn't point to his deity. The single strongest verse in all of the New Testament on the Godhead is taken out of the newer translations. They take half of verse Six and half of verse eight to make a verse seven. Because in the King James Bible, it says there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit. And these three are one. And we are going to see next week the importance of the fact of the pillar of who Jesus is. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. And we'll see how the pillar and ground of truth, the church, the last one that was honored in the book of Revelation, was not Laodicea. It happens to be that little church before that. And we'll spend some time with that next week. Looking at the pillar and the ground of the truth of who our God is.
And all God's people said, amen. amen.